At its very core, drug science must remain independent. This means we don't accept sponsorships. It's with the support of the drug science community we're able to do this and make the podcast in the first place. If you're able to become a drug science community member and support the show, you too will be supporting the dissemination of evidence-based drug policies. Without you, none of this would be possible. For anybody interested, there's a link in the show notes. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Drug Science Podcast with me, David Nutt. Here we're bringing together experts and activists for a rational, honest and informed conversation about drugs. Hello and welcome to the Drug Science Podcast. Hopefully you spotted that this is not the voice of David Nutt, because just for today's episode, so that Dave can have a bit of a break, he has kindly given over the reins of podcast host so that I can tell you, our incredible drug science listeners and supporters, about some of the exciting stuff we have planned for our student community. My name is Mags Houston, and I'm Head of Projects and Communications for Drug Science. Today, I'm joined by two wonderful humans who I've had the pleasure of getting to know over the last couple of months, Libby Firminger and Ben Clayden. They are the new co-chairs of the Drug Science Student Society Network. Welcome to the podcast, Libby and Ben. Hello. Hi, Emma. Lovely to be here. Hi. Thanks. Thanks for being here, both of you. So to start off, I'd love to hear a little bit about each of you. And Ben, maybe we can start with you. Sure. So as you said, my name is Ben Clayden. I'm currently studying at the University of York. I study natural sciences, specializing into neuroscience. And I'm going into my third year. And as well as that, I'm also the president of my university's Psychedelics in Medicine Society. Amazing. That's fantastic. Thank you, Ben. And Libby? Hi, I'm Libby and I'm at Swansea Uni. I do psychology also in third year and uh, I'm also the president of my Swansea Psychedelics in Medicine Society. Amazing stuff. Well, it's great to have you both here. I'd love to hear how each of you became interested in the world of drug science to start off with. So yeah, do tell. How did you get involved? Sure. So for me, I think a lot of it would have started off with learning about antidepressants, funny enough, when I was think maybe around 16 or 17. I was watching a lot of YouTube, science YouTube at the time. I remember seeing one video about how they actually worked and how despite increasing levels of serotonin in the synapse after a couple hours, like they're typically meant to, the effects would take about four weeks to kick in. And so this was going through other possible mechanisms that the effects could have been modulated by. And it kind of opened up my mind. It was a real big moment for me because I went, well, not only is this medicine only really working by a mechanism we didn't initially synthesize it for, but I also found it was slight, quite amazing how yeah, the binding of such a tiny molecule could produce abstract changes in, in sensations like emotions and changes to those emotions. So that, I think, set me off quite a bit into my neuroscience. And at the time, as I said, I was watching quite a lot of science YouTube. And there was one YouTube channel called Neuroscientifically Challenged. He did a series called Two Minute Neuroscience. And I remember he did a couple episodes on the pharmacology of psilocybin and LSD. And these were completely mind-boggling to me. So even going into uni, I was, I think, very interested about psychedelics, medicinal psychedelics, and the pharmacology. So 
when I met a good friend I played football with at the time, and he told me that he was the co-chair of the Psychedelic Society at York, I went, hell yeah, went out to their first talk, which was a talk by Dr. Ben Sessa about his MDMA-assisted therapy for alcohol down in Bristol. And it was almost like a eureka moment for me at that point where I realized this is amazing stuff and this is what I really want to do. Uh, so after that year, I applied to be president of the society and here I am today running it. I love that. Yeah, I can relate to that eureka moment, that, that kind of switch being flicked, as it were, to really drive that interest into psychedelics and everything about it. So were you already studying neuroscience before you discovered this interest in, in psychedelics then? Yes. So I was yeah. planning to go to university to study neuroscience from even before this. But right. hearing the psychedelics side of it, I went, oh, this is perhaps an area of neuroscience I'd like to further explore. Mm, fantastic. Well, it's awesome that you'd be able to channel that into becoming president of your society. And Libby, did you have a similar eureka moment or was your journey a little bit different? Yeah, mine was the same, actually. I actually found it really funny that, Ben, you said that yours was Ben Sessa because mine was the exact same. I was originally quite ignorant to psychedelics and all their therapeutic uses. And then one day this webinar just came up, which was being hosted by Drug Science, who I'd never heard of by, at the time. And I just joined into this webinar about MDMA being used for alcohol use disorder. And I remember I clicked onto it thinking to myself, how on earth are you using a dangerous drug like MDMA to treat, you know, an addiction for something that's so readily available? And then yeah. I joined the webinar and I was just blown away by it all and its uh, potential. And then it was like, that just set me off and went zero to a hundred straight down the rabbit hole and just started learning more and more, reading more, following drug science, joining into every single podcast webinar. Yeah, just immediately I realized this was exactly what I'd always wanted to do. I just never realized it before. And now it's just always trying to bring it up, spread the word, make other people who were also completely unaware like I was and, uh, help spread the message of it or raise awareness. That's brilliant. And has it really then had a, an impact on your studies and the direction in which you're taking your studies at university at Swansea? Yeah. So I originally started my course doing a psychology and criminology because I wanted to go into forensics. And it was only, I think it was quite early in first year that I saw the webinar. And the second I saw it and I went down that rabbit hole, I knew that it wasn't forensics that I was passionate about. Like in comparison to how I felt about psychedelic research, it was completely incomparable. So next thing I changed to single honest psychology because it was more relevant and I've completely changed everything that I wanted to do. And it's now exclusively, I can't imagine studying and going towards anything else. Oh, that's fantastic. It's really beautiful to hear that you're able to take that interest and for it to have this effect on the direction in which you're taking your, your studies and your course. Um, do either of you know what I studied at university out of interest? Yeah, I think you've told me. It was music, <laughs> wasn't it? It was, it was. A little bit uh, left field, one might say. It's not the most traditional route into working in drug science, that's for sure. So how was it that you ended up going from a music degree into working for drug science? Yeah, that's right. I actually studied music at university. I went to the University of Manchester and really chose music because it was something that I was passionate about at school. 
And when I left school, I thought I wanted to be a film composer. The world of psychedelics and drug policy wasn't on my radar at that time. And coming out of university, I realized actually this probably wasn't a career option for me, but I wanted to do something creative. So I applied to lots of advertising agencies and ended up working in the advertising industry for about 10 years, which is really strange now to think that that was only a couple of years ago. And it's such a different world to the world of drug policy and psychedelic science. But the thing that really changed my trajectory from advertising to where I am now was a personal story whereby my best friend was really depressed. She was diagnosed with clinical depression and anxiety and her prescribed medications just weren't working for her. So she and I both took it on ourselves to try and do lots of research into what alternative medicines and therapies might be out there. And we came across the research that was going on with Imperial College and with John Hopkins. And from there, we read more and more, like, similar to what you've both described, and had that eureka moment, really, that this was something really worth looking into in much more detail. And from there, I went to a festival called How the Light Gets In and saw David Nutt speak. And he showed that very famous slide where you see the brain on psilocybin versus a normal brain and all the amazing colorful lines in between to show those uh, new neural connections. And that was it. That was my eureka moment. And that's really how I decided to focus all of my energies into a career in drug science and in this world of psychedelic research and applying my skills that I had learned in the advertising industry to this completely different sector. So the whole MDMA being a dangerous drug, that was taught to me from a secondary school. So, you know, we were always told the story about, you know, if you do MDMA, then your brain's going to swell up and explode was basically what they told us. Right. And then with my university, they sort of, I think they are definitely more on the reserved side. They're not entirely for it, but they have got, which I am quite happy to say, on their drugs and alcohol support page, they actually do have a section where they promote a place that you can get drug testing done, which I think is good that whilst I don't think they support drug use, they are supporting harm reduction, which I think is very important that universities do. Absolutely. That's really, really great to hear. And I would have no doubt that things have become, you know, more skewed towards harm reduction over the recent years. I would certainly hope so. How about you, Ben? What about the University of York? How are things there? Yeah, quite uh, somewhat similar to what Libby said, where the university has recently taken a stand on harm reduction. I know that on student run nights, uh, club nights and stuff, the university will have volunteers that will sit in tents outside the clubs to make sure that people who are perhaps on a too many drugs or on substances they shouldn't be on have the support they need. But again, there's not too much about the medical use of it. I think it's worth noting here. I remember I spoke to my university's LinkedIn once and I saw an article they had posted about medical cannabis being used for sleep and something else. So I think it is starting to emerge, but again, not, I suppose, direct promotion. Yeah. Okay. That's encouraging. And what you described sounds similar to Psycare which is an organization that offers support to people who are you know, going through difficult times, really difficult psychedelic experiences at festivals. Do you both know about Psycare? 
Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. But that's one for another podcast episode, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so as you both move into this field and obviously you've talked a little bit about your interest and that you're wanting to move towards a career in the space of uh, drug policy and drug science. How have friends and family reacted to that, assuming that you've that you've told them? Sure. So I think the family one is slightly more amusing, at least for my story, where when I first told my parents and my grandparents about what I was doing at the society, I think they were understandably almost mortified. And they were like, I hope this isn't a society where you guys are just taking drugs. And I think that's a fair enough opinion to them to initially have had, because again, this is, I think, quite a new thing to be having medical psychedelic societies or even psychedelic societies and universities. Yeah. But when I first started hosting talks in first year, it started to change. And what's really lovely now is that every once in a while, I will get a newspaper cut out in the mail, or I'll get an email sent or a voicemail saying, listen to this podcast or listen, watch this, read this website that I've just read about magic mushrooms and ayahuasca. And it's really lovely now. So from the family <laughs> side, they've been very accepting and nothing makes me happier than when I get one of these, yeah, newspaper cutouts in the mail from my grandma going, oh, look at this <laughs> thing about medical cannabis. It's, it's brilliant. I'm very lucky to have that from my family. Do you know what, Ben? That's so funny to hear because last week in the post, I received a newspaper cutout from my father all about CBD. So there you go. <laughs> You're not the only one. It's brilliant. It's really brilliant. And then my friends, I think, have been supportive. Inevitably, it takes a couple of explanations. Like I said, I think when people hear about the word psychedelic, even if the word medicine is in there as well, their minds typically would just jump to some people consuming drugs recreationally. But again, when the talk started, and I suppose it became crystal clear that we're an academic-based society, opinions started to change with that. Mm, that's really encouraging to hear. And Libby, how about you? What's your experience with friends and family? Yeah, so I found similarly to Ben, when I first told my parents that I'd been learning about this whole, you know, new section of um, psychedelics being used for medicinal purposes, they just sort of gave me a funny look. Uh, you could see they were a bit hesitant about it. Not overly supportive, but not completely cut off to it. And then as I was getting more and more into it, I was talking about it a lot more and I could see that they were opening up. They weren't originally happy when I told them that I was changing my degree, but now they are definitely very supportive about it, especially when I'm telling them about, you know, now that I'm the president of the Psychedelic Society and working as a co-chair. I think now that I've done all this, they can really see that it's not just that it's a drug thing. It's that it's genuinely such a helpful thing and it has got really good implications that it's going to have. As well as with working with you on Project 2021, that was a big thing for them where they realised, you know, how helpful this research can be. With my friend, really wonderful to hear. I'd never actually considered that, yeah, that you have, of course, been volunteering for a few months with Project 2021 and that that would have a positive impact in a more wider way with the work that you're doing with drug science. Yeah, they are really supportive about it all now. And I know whenever I'm telling them about any progressions that I'm having or anything relevant to it, they are really, really supportive about it all, which I really like. Oh, great. And how about your friend? Yeah, my friends have all been pretty supportive from the start. When I first say that I'm looking at psychedelic research, you know, immediately they're like, what are you, the drug guru then? Like, what does this involve? <laughs> 
and I normally go into it a bit more I'll explain it all and normally it's just you know they get completely curious and especially as most of my friends are also doing psychology and I've noticed as a common thing is even at university like a lot of people still don't realize that what we're taught in secondary school about drugs isn't entirely accurate so a lot of them come in with the same biases that I had where they you know they believe that you know, MDMA, psilocybin, LSD are all some of the most dangerous drugs in the world. Whereas, in fact, if you look at the um, relative harm scale that uh, David Nutt did, you know, you can see that alcohol is actually one of the most dangerous ones out there. Absolutely. Yeah. When I start talking about it, they're normally really engaged and enjoy learning it. And I keep getting like books get sent through to me and people are like, oh, have you read this one yet? Have you read this one yet? And um, birthday presents, people normally get me like a psychedelic related books and stuff now, which I really like. My friends are very supportive about it all. Yeah, they love it. That's great. Yeah, at least people know what to get you for your birthday. That's a great idea. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I think what you, you and Ben have mentioned as well in terms of the, the stigma that still very much exists, that there is still a little bit of a, a battle in convincing our parents and our parents' generations around psychedelics and the indeed the, the therapeutic promise that many of these drugs that we work with at Drug Science Spring, you know, that stigma is still very much alive and there's still a big challenge there for us. You know, hence we do the work that we do. Ben, I think it was you that mentioned that you called your society the Psychedelics and Medicine Society, but that you weren't always called that. Does this have anything to do with the stigma by any chance? Yes, completely. So as I said earlier, when I came to the University of York, there was a psychedelic society. And yeah, initially... The stigma that I took from that was it sounds just like a society where people might do recreational drugs. And that's become commonplace, I suppose, where most people, when they hear the term psychedelic society, their mind will just jump to that. So for me, when I became president in my second year, is the first thing I did is I went, right, let's change this to psychedelics in medicine in the hopes this medicine will give it a more academic sound. Mm, that's a really great idea. Definitely. And it's amazing, isn't it, just how that Quite tweak in wording can make such a big difference. Yeah, and it has had quite an impact, I would like to say. I think largely now there is less of a stigma around the society. And I think it's crystal clear that we are an academic lecture-based society. Mm, that's brilliant to hear. And Libby, you said again that you're also president of the Psychedelics and Medicine Society. What's your journey been with the, with the name as well? Well, I was the person that set up my society and well, I think I've mentioned this to Ben before, but I actually got advice from him before he even knew me. So my friend joined, my friends at the University at York and he joined the Psychedelics and Medicine Society on Ben's first year as the president. And when I was saying that I was looking at setting one up, my friend told me, oh, message the president of my society. He's really friendly and see if he's got any advice for you. And I dropped a message to their Instagram page. And it was Ben that was then saying to me, you know, emphasize that it's a medicine society, emphasize that it's research-based, academic. He was a lot of who influenced the name of being the exact same, pretty much. I could even make sure it's, you know, really obvious that it's medicine. And I remember when I was writing out my society proposal form, every single section that I was filling out, I was like, this is an academic society. We are looking at research because I knew how much stigma there was around setting up a psychedelics and medicine society. Just like Ben said, when it was originally called the Psychedelic Society, there was confusion. So um, I wanted to be as clear as I could that we were an academic one. 
I completely forgot that I messaged you, Libby. Thank you for telling <laughs> yeah. me that. And that's that's brilliant. Well, you're very helpful. <laughs> yeah, you honestly you like some really good advice on that. You're very welcome. Thank you. Oh, I love hearing that you both already met. We didn't even know about this. And I think it just, that's a perfect thread to go on for us to talk about the Student Society Network. Because it's just such a great example of how we have a lot that we can learn from one another as a network of society. So Livia and Ben, you're the new co-chairs, as I mentioned at the top of the episode of the Drug Science Student Society Network, or the SSN for short. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is and why you wanted to get involved? Ben, let's start with you. Sure. So I think Libby and I will probably go back to back with points explaining why the Student Society Network is such a brilliant idea that everyone should definitely be joining. Sounds good. But just to start it off, one of the things that we're going to be focusing on is establishing a large community of students interested in drug science and psychedelic research. As you said, there's a lot of information that we can gain from the other societies. And there are, I think, about 20 plus psychedelic societies in the UK. However, respectively, they all will function on their own. So we think it's a brilliant idea to start drawing that community together and sharing ideas, sharing event structures and social plans and all of that stuff. So that, well, the psychedelic society on the whole, the entire community can start to develop and grow as opposed to just individual societies. Absolutely. It is so, so important. I think that as a community, we can be so much stronger as the sum of our parts rather than just as individual societies. So I'm very, very hopeful for the future. Libby, is there anything that you want to add to that? Yeah. So obviously, as Ben said, at the minute, we're mostly based in the UK, but we're really hoping that if we can get this to expand, you know, as we are hoping it will, we'll be able to get this to be an entirely global network with different psychedelic and students for sensible drug policy any sort of drug research-based societies. We're hoping we can make it a global network and it's going to have so many different, like we've been talking about having an event matrix, speakers matrix, where we're going to have different people that you can get into talks as well as a lot of collaborating. So for example, I've been talking before we start set up the uh, SSN, I was talking to Cardiff University because we're quite close together about collaborating on a speakers event. And now if we're creating this SSN, hopefully we'll be able to actually get even more people involved, make, maybe make it a bigger invite. So it's going to just create loads of opportunities for different people in all different universities to come together. And I think, Ben, you were thinking about making a event happening up north soon, weren't you? Yeah. So I don't know how much of this I will reveal because none of it's particularly confirmed. Top secret. Yes, it's not. <laughs> but hopefully at the University of York within first term, we will be hosting a, I suppose, Northern Psychedelic Society-wide talk with someone very famous from drug science. Invite for all the other psychedelic societies in the North to come join us as well. But again, I won't reveal too much about that. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it first here. But yeah, so it will... We'll see what happens with that one. And as you both have said, I think we have such a great opportunity here to do some bigger and better events with our students network when we can all come together in this way. I should ask you, do you have to be called a, a drug science or a psychedelic society in order to get involved? No. I, no, not at all. Not at all. No, we will help anyone that's interested in the realms of medicine, psychiatry, psychedelics, neuroscience, anything within that realm. We're here to spread the important messages and words and the research behind the psychedelics and alternative drug therapies. 
Brilliant. I love that. I love that it's, it's open to so many different types of societies. So as Ben says, if that speaks to you and your interest in setting up a society, then do get in touch. We'll tell you a little bit more about how to do that shortly. But first, Libby, you mentioned that the network is going to build a matrix for events, for speakers, so that we can all be you know, sharing those contacts with each other. What other outputs have you and Ben got planned for the SSN? Well, we posted in the newsletter that we went out a couple of days ago. So we've also got volunteering opportunities which have come up. So we've got two big events which we have coming up soon, both about medicinal cannabis. One of them is regarding Project 2021. But with both of the events, they're looking for volunteers. And also we've got discounts which have come available for the paid one, which is exclusive to students. So those discount codes are accessible through the SFN. We've also got book discounts, which have been very nicely offered by David Knapp for his Brain and Mind Made Simple, which is amazing. So yeah, it's just an entirely accessible, lots of opportunities which are coming out of this. And this has only been started about a month ago. So with the amount of stuff that started so far, we've got a lot planned. Yeah, it's really, really exciting. It really is. And just to speak to your point about the Project 2021 event. So this is actually a UK first. It's a, a medical cannabis patient conference that Drug Science are hosting in partnership with a patient advocacy group called MedCan Support on Friday the 4th of November as part of Medical Cannabis Awareness Week. So we're actually hosting a free event in East London and it will be live streamed for anyone who would who'd rather tune in from home. And it's a whole day event for the general public to learn more about medical cannabis and to hear the stories from patients themselves and from prescribers. And there will be a UK premiere of a new medical cannabis documentary from Canada called Anything Can Happen. So if you're around the London area and you fancy coming down, then please do. And you can register for a ticket either on the live stream or in person through the Drug Science Events page. So do look out for that. But as Libby says, there are going to be loads more volunteering opportunities for our student community and our wider drug science community over the coming months. So do stay tuned to our newsletters and to our website to find out more about those. And Ben, what other outputs are there? I, I heard there might be a, a new society pack and maybe a new members pack. Perhaps you can tell us about those. Yeah, sure. So we want to both advertise to individuals as well as societies. And for me, currently, I'm doing a lot of work on the society side, so I can talk a little bit about that. One of the main things you want to make nice and crystal clear is that if you sign up, we will give you some solid information about setting up your society, as well as assisting you in hosting your first academic talks and giving you ideas for academic and social events. So please make sure you contact us if you're an interested society, because we are more than happy to help you get your first feet steps. That sounds amazing. And what kind of things can people expect to, to, to receive in their uh, new members pack? Yeah, so in the new members pack, we have got a loads of book recommendations, podcast recommendations, as well as videos, some documentaries. We've also got slides based on all the different psychedelics, opioids, stimulants, cannabinoids, just to give a general understanding and introduction into the world of psychedelics. So the main thing that the new members pack hopes to achieve is just creating that basic understanding and educating. Absolutely makes sense, Libby. Absolutely makes sense. I think it's so important that we get 
factual evidence-based drug information out there into the ether. Because as you said before, Libby, there's so much out there which is just driven by stigma that is the result of political propaganda, commercial interest. Even what we learn in school, like you said before, is often not based on science and on the evidence. And actually on that point, we have produced in secondary school educational slides now from drug science, which people can download for free from the drug science website. Just click on the education page there and you can download the slides because it's really important to us that we are able to tell young people about the truth about drugs. And hopefully then they'll you know, want to spread the word and tell their parents, tell their friends, their family about drugs too, but just from the perspective of science and, and based on, on the evidence, which is obviously what we're all about at Drug Science. And personally, my hope actually for the future is we might be able to use the support of students to go into schools and to give drug science talks and promote these educational slides to, to secondary school students. But that's something we can uh, talk about a little bit further down the line. For any of the societies and the, and the students listening to this episode today, who might want to join the SSN, how would someone listening go about setting up their own drug science or psychedelic medicine society? Once you have dropped us an email and once you contact your university about setting up a society, which can be on anything, you can then reach out to us about joining the SSN. We will then send you through some information, including the charter and the MOU. You can get the MOU signed and sent back to us. It's basically just a contract saying that you have understanding about using our name of drug science and stuff like that, which is quite easy to read through. Once you've got that signed, we'll get you joined into the SSN and you will immediately have all of our new society pack, new members pack, as well as getting introduced into our Discord, which has got different sections for both the entire university network as well as sections for individual universities. It's also got event matrix on there and different areas where we can discuss upcoming exciting things. Brilliant. And yes, for anyone who isn't aware of what Discord is, it's a messaging platform, like a communication platform, where we really hope that we will have all our societies uh, join and start a conversation and be able to get in touch with each other much more easily and share events, share documents, and there you can easily contact us and Ben and Libby, myself, and obviously contact within your own society as well. So that's what we have set up and hope that, uh, that societies will join us on Discord, fingers crossed. Great. Anything else to say on that? All this information can be found on the Drug Science website under About. And then if you click on Students, you'll be able to access all of it. That's right. And we'll make sure that we put the email address and web link in our show notes for this podcast episode as well, of course. So one thing I'd love to know then about you both, obviously you've you've both talked a bit about yourselves, about your, your journey into this industry, your interest in drug science, and a bit about what you're studying at university and where that's taking you. But what are your hopes for the future? And how do you hope to bring the work that you're doing with Drug Science Student Society Network and with your own societies into the world after university? Yeah, so after university, I'm hoping to go into psychedelic research. Obviously, even before 
drugs were made illegal and the research was put on hold, this was still such an early and new section of science. So there's just so much which still needs to be investigated and learnt. And there's so many conditions which I feel like psychedelics are going to have an impact in, but we don't yet know because we've not yet had the chance to carry out all the research which we need to do. So I'm really excited to hopefully be a part of this in the future. I'm also really passionate about the Misuse of Drugs Act. So I've, I've attended some events hosted by Transform Drugs and Anyone's Child. So I attended a lobbying in London where we spoke to different MPs discussing changing the Misuse of Drugs Act and instead putting in place policies which prioritise harm reduction so that we can hopefully move towards safer drug control. So that's all stuff that I'm quite passionate about and looking forward to getting more involved in in the future. So for me, I'm particularly interested in, I suppose, what you could call these spontaneous moments of insight or these eureka moments that we see under psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy. These moments that are able to induce long-term changes into moods and outlooks on life and those perspectives. And I'm particularly interested in the neuroimaging side of that and the neural correlates, the neural pathways, which areas of the brain are communicating with each other in what form during these moments of insights. So for me, I very much so like to go into my neuroimaging and be sat behind some computers, analyzing what the hell's going on in the brain as someone undergoes something like psilocybin-assisted psychotherapy. And yeah, that is, I suppose, a main goal for where I would like to go into. But as well as that, I'm incredibly passionate about providing and releasing information about the powers and the misunderstood nature of some of these substances. When I'm older, I would love to be a lecturer. I'd love to be able to produce free online education. And I'm currently running a podcast about medicinal psychedelics and information around that. So I would really love to further the information I'm able to produce and put out into the internet about the powers of these misunderstood medicine. And then while you're at it, do you want to give your podcast a quick plug? I would absolutely love nothing more. <laughs> podcast is called the Psychedelics in Medicine podcast. You can find it on Spotify and all other platforms. I have downloaded the first episode already, Ben, and look, look forward to uh, more being uploaded very soon. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's great to hear what you are both planning for the future after university. I do appreciate that is over a year away. So there's, there's lots of time and lots of things can change over that year. But it's really exciting to hear your plans for the future. And really interesting as well for me to compare to my thoughts coming out of university and the fact that this this whole sector really wasn't on my radar at all at that time. And how much has changed in this world over the last 10, 12 years? Yes, it's such an exciting sector. And something that I like to talk about when I have the opportunity is the fact that there are so many different career options for people who are looking to go into the world of drug science, drug policy and psychedelics, that it doesn't require you to have a medicine degree, to have a science degree or anything in that more academic sphere. You can also be a designer, a developer, an IT person, you name it. We need people of all sectors, all industries to help us in this world that we, that we so care about and that is growing so, so fast. So I would just like to say to anyone listening who perhaps isn't doing a degree in psychology or a degree in neuroscience, we still need you. And if this area is of interest to you, then there will absolutely be a place for you in it. So do get in touch with Drug Science if you're looking for volunteer opportunities. And if you're at university and want to join a like-minded group of people, 
then have a look and see if your university has got a psychedelic society or a drug science society already. And if it doesn't, then maybe you could be the first one to set one up. And now you know how, thanks to what Ben and Libby have shared with us today. So is there anything else before we go that you'd like to add, Ben and Libby? Otherwise, I'd like to say a huge thank you to you both. Thank you very much for having me, Max. I would just like to further and say, please contact us if you are interested in setting up a psychedelic society. We would love all just society around psychedelics or drug science. We would love nothing more than to help you spread this very important word. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Ben. And Libby? Yes, thank you so much for having me as well. And follow on from what Ben said. If you have any questions about setting up a psychedelic society or any other type of society which you want to get involved with the SSN with, please don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions, anything at all, and we would be more than happy to respond and get back to you. Awesome. Thank you both so much for your time today. Thank you to Ben Claydon and to Libby Firminger, who are the new co-chairs of the Drug Science Student Society Network. And again, if you want to get in touch, all the links and the email address to get in touch are in the episode show notes. It's been a pleasure today for me to step into David Nutt's shoes. So a huge thank you to him for letting me be here and to host the podcast today. They will be back for the next episode of the Drug Science Podcast. But for now, a huge thank you for listening. Goodbye.